Glad to see y'all came back for week number two. <laughs> Makes me feel good. Open your Bible, if you will, to 2 Timothy. Just like last week, I, I'm not going to preach a message I've ever preached before. It's probably not the most smart thing to do, but I feel like this is where the Lord's led us, so this is what we'll do. You know, today is, of course, Super Bowl Sunday, right? Giants against the Patriots. Let me tell you all a little something that happened four years ago when the Giants played the Patriots. Uh, whatever year that was, 2008, I suppose. True story. New England Patriots were 18-0. and 0. They were a 12-point favorite over the Giants. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, I mean, they were a machine, an absolute machine. And the Giants come in with a young quarterback named Eli Manning, a coach named Tom Coughlin, and no one, every, I mean, no one really predicted that the Giants even had a shot. Well, let me tell you what happened. I mean, this is true. Now, I don't know why the Lord does this kind of thing. At the time, I was writing a devotion that, we'd be, that was sent out to coaches, scouts, and executives across the NFL. I've been writing that for several years, and, and uh, the Lord had really blessed it. And probably about a third of all coaches, scouts, and general managers of the NFL, I don't know if they were reading it, but they had at least requested my devotion. And so, Super Bowl week, four years ago, I send out a devotion called Throw Your Heart Across the Bar. And it was about a trapeze coach who was teaching his students how to do the trapeze. And this famous worldwide coach had a student, and the student was scared, and he was looking out, you know, at the, uh, being up high, and he had the bar in his hand, and he just could not step off of that plank and fly. Couldn't do it. He was scared to death. And the coach put his arm around the student and he said, throw your heart across the bar and your body will follow. And so I wrote about throwing your heart across the bar. That was the devotion. Well, Super Bowl Sunday occurs, Giants against Patriots. The Giants come out and they win in what some people say are the, was the greatest Super Bowl ending in history. Well, when the game was over, they were interviewing the players. Of course, the Giants had the Lombardi Trophy and they're holding it up and confetti everywhere and the, a, a global audience. And they interviewed Plaxico Burris, one of the receivers. And they said, Plaxico, what, what can you attribute to the win today? And Plaxico Burris said, this. He goes, well, all I know is coach told us to throw our hearts across the bar. When he said that, I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> he said, coach told us to throw our hearts across the bar and our bodies will follow. And that's what we did. We threw our hearts across the bar today. I'm like, did I just hear that? You got to be kidding me. I took down the Patriots, right? <laughs> I mean, Bill Belichick ain't got nothing, right? Tom Brady. I'm like 18 and know all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm like, sure, I did not hear what I think I just heard. About that time, my phone starts ringing. One guy calls me, he goes, hey, are they going to send you a Super Bowl ring? <laughs> Another one said, you took down the 18-0 and 0 Patriots. Now, I have no idea 
if Tom Coughlin really used my devotion that day. But what a coincidence, right? Or maybe he did. I don't know. They did not contact me today to give them a devotion. And so tonight, when the Patriots beat the Giants, just know, right? They got arrogant. They didn't read the devotion for the week. And that's what happened. So, absolutely a true story. And then when, you know, it's going through in the Giants, I mean, this game, I'm like, come on, there's no way it's going to be Patriots and Giants again, you know. And so, uh, anyway, it's fun to think that maybe I had a part in that. But today I am going to talk about throwing your heart across the bar. Because it's practical. And and I, I think this is a good word for each of us if we can just, if the Lord will speak to us. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is talking to a young Timothy. Timothy had been called into the ministry. Timothy was a little shy, a little timid. Of course, he's got a big responsibility. And so Paul writes to him, and and look at what he says in verse 6. He says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now here's Timothy, as I said. He's scared, he's timid, he's shy. Maybe he doesn't understand the fullness of who God is, the power of God, the God that we just sang about. But he knew God. He was saved. He knew the Lord. He'd been called to preach. He'd been called to serve. He'd been called to minister. But yet he wasn't doing it to the fullness of his capabilities. And Paul recognizes this. And look at this. He reminds him. He says, let me remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. The NIV, the New International Version, they translate it this way. They say, fan into flame the gift that is in you. And I hope and pray that each of us today can recognize the simple fact. First things first, and this is point number one, is stir up your own gift. And I hope that each of us can recognize the simplicity or the the absolute truth that when you were born again, when you asked Christ into your life, God Almighty, the same God who gave the power to create the universe and keep it running, is the same God who lives within you, who wants to operate through you to the fullness of your capabilities as well. Every one of us have been given some kind of a gift, whether that be discernment or wisdom or singing like they showed this morning or, or, or maybe or encouraging someone or the gift of helps. I mean, the gifts go on and on and on. There's so many gifts and God has given all of us, each one of you, at least one of those. You have God inside of you, Emmanuel. You have the Creator God, the one who spoke it into existence, is speaking it out of you when you utilize your gift to the body and the nourishment of other people. The gifts that God gives us and the talents that He gives us is never for ourselves. What would be the purpose of that? The gifts that God gives to us is always for someone else. It's always about people. And so often we forget that. 
I mean, this morning, the most important thing that we can do, of course, we worship through song, we worship through giving, we worship through His Word and we learn His Word. But the absolute truth, the fruit of all that we do this morning is when we walk out of these doors and God is absolutely operating through us into a dark world. And amongst one another, the spirit of love. It's not how well we sing. It's not how much we give. It's not how much even that we learn. It's how much do we operate by the power of God in our lives. Those things help us do that. It helps us focus on who God is. And he tells, Paul tells Timothy, he says, hey, remember, now stir up the gift of God that lies within you. And I want to each this morning to be reminded to stir up the gift that lies within you. Say, well, how do I do that? What do you mean I stir it up? I think there's lots of ways, but one is, I I like how the NIV says that fan into flame, right? Most everyone in here understands you have a flame, and if you put a little oxygen to it or a little flame to it, 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 it ignites larger, right? And so it's like the flame of God is already deep inside of you. And all you have to do is add some breeze to it and let it ignite so that you can absolutely be a light into the darkness. Isn't that what a flame is? It's a light in the darkness. Isn't that what a star actually is? Or the sun reflecting? It's, right? It's power. God's given you a gift. And just as a fire, if you build a fire and you take a log and you put one log over here, Away from the fire over here, what happens? This log will go out, right? Because when you put fire with fire, it ignites a greater fire in, in, in place off of one another, right? That's why it's important for us to be in a small group. It's important for us to be, to fellowship together and to come together. And, to, you know, sometimes people say, well, how do you stay ignited? I mean, how do you stay so passionate? And I, I kind of, to me, it's like this. If I I want to be passionate about who God is, I need to be around passionate people. Just this week, for instance, a a lady, um, I won't give you all the details, but a lady from the government that we're working on a project together on came and she was talking and evaluating a program that we're doing at the University of Mobile and And I began to share with her, I said, listen, I said, we're really serious about impacting our state and impacting our community. I said, I'm telling you, we're serious. You need to understand that. I said, we're not in this just to do a program. We're in it to change lives. I said, in fact, we want to be the absolute best in this state at helping kids. Producing mentors. So I kind of give this grand vision, I guess it was, and she looked at me and she said, I'm a little concerned. And I said, what are you concerned about? She said, well, because you're trying to grow something too fast. And she goes, I am more one who takes a pebble and throws it into the lake and lets it have one ripple effect and see it go across. You're one who takes a whole handful of rocks and just throws them into the lake. Because I'm concerned that maybe you need to slow things down. No, hence, she works for the government. (laughs) 
One side of me, probably the flesh, admittedly, wanted to say, rocks, I'll take two handfuls, I'll take a cinder block and throw it into the lake, right? But y'all, here's the bottom line. We're in too urgent of a mode right now to sit back and throw one pebble at a time. If we want to make a difference in this country and a difference in Alabama and a difference in our schools and a difference in our community, we must all be in the game and throw everything we've got into, into a lost world. Everything we've got. We can't get caught up in the bureaucracy of administration and the bureaucracy of paper and the bureaucracy of if can we do that or not do that. I say just go. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't. You're in a free country with a God that is full of power and full of grace and full of mercy and full of love who wants to work through you. Stir up the flame that lies within you. Full of passion. And there's always those, it's called quenching the spirit, who will say, eh, slow it down. Hey, uh, maybe you can't do that. We don't have enough resources for that. One of the things I'm going to teach Wednesdays to the superintendents is, because, you know, they're getting cut and their budgets are getting cut and so forth, is never look at what you don't have, always look at what you do have. Because what you don't have is irrelevant to the conversation. That doesn't matter if I don't have it. (laughs) Right? It's about what I do have and what I do have. What God has placed in my hand and in my influence and into my heart and my gifts. That is what all I can be concerned about. And the same is true with you. Don't worry about what you don't have. Take what you have. And that is the gift that lies within you. And stir it up and let God Almighty do something great in and through you. Say, well, I can't do anything great. You know what one of the greatest things you can do? Is love somebody. I think our American mentality is it's got to be grand and big and Super Bowl type faith every day, but yet it's not reality. That's why they have the Super Bowl one day a year, not 365 days of the year. What God wants us to do is for you to use your gift and above all else, what's it say in 1 Corinthians? I can go and do this, and I can go and do that, and I can do all these grand things, but if I not have love, then I'm a resounding symbol, a clanging symbol. It's nothing greater than love, and we're going to see that. Look at this. He says in the next verse, For God has not given you, or given us, I'm glad he changes that to us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Now let's stop there for a moment. We have a gift that lies within us. We want to use that gift. But then fears start coming in. But what if I can't? What if they don't like me to do that? How do I do that? What if I fail at that? And paranoia or fear takes over. And this is what I know. Look at that. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Now hear this. This It's really important. There's natural fear, right? 
I'm getting too close to the ledge. Uh Uh-oh, I might fall off. I fall off. I could break my arm. I do not want to be laid up next to Brother Fred. (laughs) Right? That's a natural fear of, hey, don't get too close to the edge. Right? That's a natural fear. But then there's the fears, the other kind of fears that come in and absolutely attack our minds. I can't. What if this? Well, what if that happens? What if this occurs? What if this person says this? What if I don't have enough? And we let the what ifs of life paralyze us in fear. I've been there, right? Everybody here has been there, right? Where we let some circumstance or something paralyze us in fear. Fear always holds us back. But look at this verse. Paul says to Timothy, he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So when there's natural fear of, hey, I'm getting too close to the edge, I need to back off. It's normal, you back off. But when there's the fear of anything else that saturates your mind or where the Satan is trying to shoot flaming arrows into your mind or where within your own heart and soul you become fearful, you need to recognize that immediately for who it comes from and where it is and understand God Almighty has not given me this spirit of fear. You see that? So while number one, we stir the flame of the gift that's inside of you, number two is we recognize where fear comes from. And when that fear is not a natural fear, then you have to understand that, you know what, this fear is not from God. If I begin to say, well, I may not have enough money, or I can't do that, or, well, somebody might, all of the what ifs, immediately identify it and say, hey, you know what, this isn't from God. That, this, is, this thought, then the scriptures say, take every thought captive. This thought is not from the Lord. Therefore, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not from God. I know it's not from God. God has not given me a spirit of fear. So in the mighty name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I rebuke this. Recognize your fear. What really holds us back? What holds you back? Think about this in your own mind for a moment. What holds you back? And then think about, is that a fear? Is that rooted in some kind of a fear? Now we must say, well, if it's rooted in fear, God didn't give that to you. Remember the gift that lies within you. Remember who the God who lies within you. God hadn't given you that fear. Let me tell you all, here's the reality. Brother Fred's been my pastor since I was five. Four or five. And so he calls me, of course. I told you all last week, come in and preach for him, which is good. I'm delighted and thrilled. And I'm very, very grateful for this. That y'all let me come and... You know, and I look at the sheet here of who he's got coming in. I mean, you kid, Jerry Vines and Lynn Turner and, and uh, 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 Junior Hill was here. And there's my name on that list. Well, I was fine with everything, right? 
Last week, no problem. I mean, I, I prayed. Now, don't, y'all don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, you get nervous or whatever. Because anytime I go preach anywhere, it doesn't matter. It's a little harder when you're preaching to people that you've known your whole life. It's like preaching to your mom and your daddy. It's weird when my mom and daddy's in the audience. Well, last week I preached here, and I thought it went well. And some of y'all were very kind to me. And that was fine. Well, the phone rings about the middle of the week. No, it was Tuesday. It's Brother Fred. He doesn't say, hello, how you doing? He doesn't say, hey, I'm doing better. He doesn't say, hey, Joe, nothing. Here's what he says. I critiqued your sermon. It dawned on me that this is recorded and he ain't got nothing to do and he's probably listened to the thing and has too much time to critique it, right? I critiqued your sermon. I'm telling you all the truth now. And I know he's going to listen today. Hey, Brother Fred, glad you're listening, right? He said, I heard, I critiqued your sermon. And he goes, it was biblical. And I'm thinking, oh boy, he's getting to something bad at the end. It was relevant. They're like, okay, I've seen this happen before, the good before the bad, right? And he went on through, and he was very kind, and, and, uh, uh, and I'm thankful for that. So this week, for this sermon, I'm like, well, Brother Fred's going to be listening. Now, I got to, so I've absolutely got knots in my neck over preaching today. And my wife said, what are you doing? Just Brother Fred. And I'm like, I know, it's Brother Fred. So yesterday, I'm on the treadmill trying to exert some fear. And the Lord speaks to me this verse. I ain't giving you a spirit of fear. Remember the gift that God lies within you. I mean, my giftedness is to preach. My gift is to, to, to be really a visionary. And I know that. And to rally people together to go do to fulfill the vision. I mean, in essence, that's, I'm a one-trick pony. And... All joking aside, there's truth to this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I know the gift that God's given to me, so I have to go do that and exercise that. If I let fear stagnate me, then, hey, I can't be a blessing to the people who God puts in in front of me. And the same is true with you. Now, I hope you get this. A preacher is a preacher, right? But the gift that God has given to you is just as influential and just as powerful and just as anointed. It's the same God that puts the gift of preaching and remembering names in Fred Wolf. It's the same God that puts your gift inside of you. And if you take a room like this of 500 or so people and they all stir up their gift and, and, and there's a great passion behind that gift and they remember it is God's gift that's been placed inside of me and I can go out and be the person that God wants me to be. Can you imagine the difference we can make? Let me show you what he says. He says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but instead he says, a spirit of power. Well, that's the opposite of fear, isn't it? The disciples were hoarded up in a room, scared in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit brought power, and they go out and preach, and thousands come to know the Lord. How do you go from fear and hiding in a room to power and being out and preaching to thousands? It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's Acts 1.8. 
in the one eight, which says, "And you shall receive power, and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost ends of the earth." The word power is the word dunamis in Greek, which is an English word dynamite. So you shall have dynamite placed inside of you through the Holy Spirit of God who, is the, who, who gives you the gifts of the Spirit, who bears the fruit of the Spirit. And that is why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit so that you can leave this place and absolutely operate in the Spirit. And when you do so, you have power. Now here, think this through. Luke 4.18 you guys came together, what, four years ago, I think it is. Is that right? Four, Brother Ed? Getting ready to do a facility out here, Westmobile. Some great people in this church. Some great leadership in this church. A great history in this church beyond four years. Some deep pockets in this church. But I'm telling you, if we bank our future on our leadership, our pockets, or our building, then we will only do what we can do. But God Almighty, the God who lies within you, if He ignites all of us and we all stir up the gift and we understand and we recognize when fear comes, hey, that's a fear. I refuse that in the name of Jesus. Instead, God has given me a spirit of power, and God gives me that kind of confidence that comes with power, and God's going to use me, and I have God inside of me. I can go do something with great power. My hands are hands of power. Because remember, the greatest gift is love. Nothing greater than a hand of love. Every person who walked in today deserves to be loved. Every person sitting around you deserves to be loved. And God wants to love that person sitting right around you today. Now, how will they leave this place knowing that somebody loves them and that God loves them? Now, they can hear from this place that God loves them, but how will they see that and sense the presence of God? It's when you love them through your mouth, through a touch, through a handshake, through a smile. And it's going out everywhere we go and demonstrating love. It's encouraging people. I was in Montgomery not long ago. I had a group of college students with me, and they were all having to pay their own way. And we'd set up a hotel, and we'd pull up, and I walked in to get the rooms. And here's this, this African-American woman, and she's got these long fingernails, and they're colored like something I've never seen before. They're really pretty. And she wouldn't have gotten fingertips like that unless she liked that, right? And so I come up to the counter, and... We get the room, she's getting, I said, I said, no, that's some, I said, those are some pretty fingernails. How do they do something like that? And she looks and she goes, you like those? I said, yeah, I really do. I said, how do they paint something like that? And she started telling me about it. I said, I don't think I would look so good with those. Do you? And she started laughing. She goes, no, I don't think you would either. I said, well, they're really pretty. She turns around and she goes, I'm going to give a discount of $20 every room. Right? I'm like, I love every one of your fingernails. What your toenails look like? It's amazing, y'all, in a world where everybody's out for self. 
And everything is downtrodden and there's always negativity. We're always encircled with negativity for the most part. Can you imagine if you would stir up the gift of love that lies within you and you go out and you use your voice or your hands to encourage other people and love other people? I'm telling you, Mobile has never seen anything like it. Because we're not the only ones that's operating like this. You understand that, right? Some great churches in the area. Some really good churches. And if God's people would ignite. I, I, I think this is the cure to our country. I really do. To understand. Hey, God hadn't given us a spirit of fear. You know what? We have power and we're going to change this country. We're going to take it back. Right? Not because of me. But if I can go out and I can have power. And look at this. God has given us fear. But of power and what? Love. You see that? He's not giving you a spirit of power, I mean of of fear, but a spirit of power, dunamis, dynamite, and love. The greatest gift of all is love. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, we could be on and on and on, right? It's love. Had a guy on my staff years and years ago when I was first pastor. We were having an outreach night, and I walked in. He was in the fellowship hall furious and he had a volleyball thrown against the wall back and forth back and forth and we're supposed to be out visiting he's throwing the ball against the wall and I said I said Ben what what are you doing he said no I showed up for outreach I said well one guy's in there well it's just one right it's just one I said well Ben if one shows up, it only takes two to go out. Well, if two of y'all go. He said, well, if it wasn't for people, ministry would be good. <laughs> I was 26, my first lesson. I looked at him, I said, hey, if it wasn't for ministry, or if it wasn't for people, you wouldn't have a ministry. That's why you're ministering. Because of people. Think about that, y'all. Sit in your mind when you leave today, and but well, not when you leave, as you walk out today, that sitting around you are people who God wants to love through you. And as you leave this place and you go to wherever that God Almighty wants to love somebody through you, your hands, your mouth. And all you got to do, it's not, di- it's not difficult, right? A woman has her fingernails painted up, you encourage her about her fingernails. That means something to her. She went and spent probably 40 bucks on those nails, right? Some lady said it was 100, I don't know, whatever it is. Bottom line is this. Power, love, and then look at the last one. In the spirit of a sound mind. A together mind. When you've made up your mind on something, right? Think this through. It's real common sense. Here's what a sound mind is. This is what God gives you. When you, when you have a sound mind, you know where you're going. You have a purpose in going. You know what you're doing. You're confident in it. You, you have direction. When you have fear with in your mind, 
you don't know, you're not real sure, you're not real confident, you don't really know, you have the what ifs, you, paranoia paralyzes you, all of those different things, right? That's why you have to recognize, hey, this thought is not from the Lord, this what if is not from the Lord, this negativity, this is not from the Lord, this fear that's that keeps coming into mind, it's not from the Lord. You've got to recognize it. And then you've got to turn around and claim and remember what Paul told a young Timothy who loved the Lord, who were called into the ministry, who had direction. I mean, he was walking and was being mentored by the greatest of what? Of missionaries maybe the world has ever seen in Paul. But he says this, Timothy said, was, was gripped with fear. And so that puts all of us in the same company as Timothy, I'm sure. We all have had fear in our lives, and we all battle the what-ifs in our lives. But it's when we have it happen that we say, this isn't from God. He gave me a spirit of power. He gave me a spirit of love. And he gave me a sure-footedness, a sound mind, a passion, a direction, a purpose. And in this room, it's not just for a few. This is for every single person who is here today. Stir up the gift that God has given to you. And if we will do that as individuals who make up collectively God's church. This year, 2012, was a great year for Luke 418 Fellowship. The building's terrific. It's going to do a lot of things that's, that's, that's extremely helpful. And that building will be used and the leadership will move forward and... and People will be mobilized and so forth. But I really believe this. Remember Acts 1 8 of that, that he gives power, he will give you power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends. Here's what's gonna happen is God Almighty, if we will unleash ourselves, I will I will make this prediction right now, is that God Almighty will use Luke 418. If we get this and understand it, God will use Luke 418 at a place like never seen before and being an absolute sending agency globally. Comes from power. Comes from love. Comes from sure, absolute sound-mindedness. You believe that? Some of you do. Few of you. Fear's gripping you, right? No, some of us we don't know. We hope so. And I know that some of us here today are a little shy or maybe more introverted about such or whatever the case may be, but throw your heart across the bar. Throw your love across the bar. I actually have trapeze people in my family. My grandmother's brother... The circus came through town. She didn't have a daddy. And the circus came through town and he loaded up and took off with the circus decades ago. True story. He ended up hooking up with one of the great circuses of the, of the country and ended up down in uh, Tampa, Florida or outside of St. wherever it was, in Clearwater somewhere in Florida. And they became known as the Flying Knights. Real trapeze people. We got pictures of them. I mean, they were like some of the top in the country, trapeze people. My brother invited me to go to Mexico with him several years ago. And he wanted us to try our hand at 
the family history of trapeze. <laughs> At the time, I was scared of heights. I really was. And he told my mom, he said, Mama, there ain't no way he's going to climb that ladder. And so when we got to the facility, they had a little old bar, and they took me over, and I was hanging about one foot off the ground, right? And my brother was laughing, making fun of me. He goes, you're a foot off the ground, and you're scared, right? And we laughed and joked back and forth and so forth. And I remember the first time that I climbed up the ladder to do the trapeze, and I'm looking down, and suddenly, you know, I'm scared. I'm scared of heights. I've been scared of heights. But I'm looking down, and I got this pole, and the net sure did make me feel good. And the coach was up there, and he kept, I kept holding the bar, and, he would, and, and I'd come over here and get my hands chalked up, and I'd do the hands chalked up, and <laughs> I'd do the chalk all over me, right? And the guy, he was a European, he goes, you have to go. <laughs> I'm like, I know. He goes, go. And I went. I threw my heart across the bar. And went around and did the first thing. I was an L shape flying through the air. <laughs> Dropped into the net, and I was like, wow, that's kind of fun. Couldn't wait to go back up the ladder. Well, it ended up being my brother and I were pretty good at it. It's genetic or something. It sure didn't come from my daddy, it came from my mama. And we turned around and they had a show at the end of the week. And they asked my brother and I to be in the show. And to qualify for the show, you had to be able to do a flip and stuff. And we were able to do it after a couple of days. And so we show up prior to the show and they said, we've got your outfit. And they gave us these red looking tights. And we went to the restroom. He was in one stall and I was in the other one. And I put them on. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. Mine was red and his was blue. And he goes, you come out first. I said, I ain't going out first. No, that's a natural fear, right? That's, that's a natural fear. He goes, no, you come. I said, no, you're going out first. And he goes, oh, this is ridiculous, right? And so, but we were in the show and the show's 10 minutes. I mean, we're kicking off the show. So we get out, we come out, and of course we had a great laugh between ourselves. I mean, it was ridiculous looking, and we do have hidden pictures that no one will ever see. And we get out, and I'm the first act of the whole night. Professional trapeze people kicked off by amateurs. And they calls me out, and I start up, and my hiney is going up the ladder in solid red tights. And that European guy goes, Joel has chosen the color of the strawberry. And I'm thinking, Joe hadn't chosen nothing. Joe didn't know he was even putting these on. And I went up and I flew around the air and actually landed. I mean, it was phenomenal. The place went crazy. My brother did and he, they went crazy. And the next morning at breakfast, people that we had seen during the week said, we had no idea y'all could do trapeze. How long have you been doing that? Three days. But you know what? There's a principle. Absolutely, I'm telling y'all. I was scared to death. I started one foot off the ground. But when I got up, and I had the encouragement of the coach saying, go. And I looked at the net. I went. I threw my heart across the bar. Because I wanted to do it. 
The same is true with the gift that lies within you. You may be scared, but there's a coach named Jesus going, go. I'm standing here with you, go. And there's a safety net there. The safety of God, who's not going to let you crash and burn. He will catch you every single time. And I would rather throw my heart across the bar and fall flat into a net, the arms of Jesus, than never climb the ladder at all. Go up the pole. Throw your heart across the bar. God wants you to do something. God is inside of you waiting to do something great. And collectively, it will be an amazing thing when we all collectively are showing the love of God and showing the demonstration of His power with a soundness of mind. And God does a great thing, not through just Brother Fred or Brother Ed or, or SL or somebody else. He's doing it through you. And He'll never let you fail. His net, His arms are there to catch you if you start to fall. Throw your hearts across the bar. Creator God, the same one that saved you is the same one that's equipped you and the same one that's called you and the same one who will give you everything you need. Just throw your heart across the bar. What is the heart? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Mind, soul, and strength. When you throw it, he's there to be with you. Amen? Amen. It's a great God. It's a mighty big God. Can't wait to see what God will continue to do through each one of us here today.